Hey everyone, welcome to The League Life, episode 6. My name is Sam Shinazi. Shinaz, I'm joined by my colleague, Nathan Brooks. Brooksy, how you doing, sir? Shinaz, I'm very well, thank you. Just off a break, I've enjoyed a few days down in Melbourne, so I'm fresh, I'm ready to go. I'm also feeling fresh, although I haven't been to Melbourne. I've just been hanging around Sydney and uh, keeping busy, keeping busy. What did you get up to on the weekend? During that weekend down there, I got to see the Australian Open. I suggest you get down there and really soak it up one year. It's just an amazing event. I also got to go to the Big Bash final due to Melbourne winning their semi-final and hosting the final at the MCG, which was great. Would have been electric. Usman Kawaja and Kevin Peterson were amazing to watch. And a kid in my section actually got hit with a six from KP. And I think wow. it nearly broke his wrist because it was paramedics called. It was A cricket ball is a very harsh thing. Yeah, and it, it flew in. It was a rather flat shot. It was an off drive. And this poor kid, I think he tried to move out of the way, but he subsequently got in the way of it. So Did he get to see the, the rest of the game? or Paramedics got called, but um, yeah, he got to see the last few overs of the match, which was good. I suggest you get down there in summer. There's so much sport on. The A-League was on. Both teams were playing down there. It's just the hub of sport when it comes to summer. And it's a very cultural place. Yeah. Oh, there were so many good restaurants. Chin Chin, giving it a shout-out. That's where I went and, and had a pre-Aussie Open dinner. And, yeah, down at uh, St Kilda, some of those places are amazing. Republica, down on the bay there. Schnaz, get down there. I talk about culture in Melbourne, but I have to say, I finally made it to a Sydney Festival event this year, the last day of the festival. Oh, yeah, who was, who was on? I went and saw a guy called Lou Barlow, who plays in bands like Dinosaur Jr. and Sebado. He played a solo show. And he played at the big tent, the Magic Mirrors tent. It's beautiful inside in Hyde Park. And that was, he played a great show. But it was great to be in Sydney at night and see, you know, it was lit up. It was beautiful. There were the flowers and the, and the lights and the trees. And I was glad to get out of the house for a while. And it was, it was uh, my bit of culture for the weekend, shall we say. Now, Brooksy, I'm still getting my way through my second viewing of Friday Night Lights. I'm in season three. Buddy Garrity is quickly going insane. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Indeed. We recommend all of our listeners, if you haven't seen that show, please do watch it. Friday Night Lights TV show. Things are heating up in the rugby league world. It's getting closer, my friend, getting closer. Well, as we were recording today, Schnaz, the Mitchell Pearce information came out on the news. I don't think we'll touch on that, but there's some other things that we can touch on over the what's happened over the past week. Keary up in Coffs with Rusty, Russell Crowe. What about that? That was interesting. I think he, I think he did the right thing. Getting out of there as soon as possible before things escalated any further. Yeah, and to to Rusty's credit, he came out and said a few things on Twitter, made a few statements. I'm a little bit worried about the owner having a preseason bash that includes booze and all that kind of stuff. I understand after they won the grand final that would be appropriate or even another big occasion, but I don't know. It's it's sailing awfully close to uh, to where the money comes from. and But yeah, it sounds like Kiri handled it well. There is some concerning things regarding South's, I guess, post-incident that maybe Kiri is being shopped around. We won't know until that obviously is cleared up. What do you think of Kiri? you like him? I really like Kiri. Me too. I think if he, you know, if there's a lot of support behind him, I think he's, from how he reacted, I think he's got a really good head. And I, I think he made the right decision, like I said. But I think that's how he would 
I guess, in a couple of seasons, once he's, you know, really reached his potential, that he'll be that controlling presence around the team. And I think South should be looking at keeping him no matter what, whatever the rumours are. I think he's a part of their future and part of their new era going forward. And we also let you know in a previous episode that all the NRL teams are coming in one by one and doing promos for the network. Now, I believe you ran into a certain superstar at Level 1 Printer. Yeah, I did. I was doing my own thing, getting my printouts at the end of the day, and Jonathan Thurston was there. And I was like a deer in headlights, schnaz. I I stopped because I, I was head deep in a few pages and sure, put sure. my head up and you get the... Dally M, Clive Churchill, medal winner, just standing there. I thought he must have been printing out something, you know, a schedule for Fox Sports 3 over the next month. But he was there, and I'll tell you what, after I bumped into him, he conducted an interview with one of the Fox Sports talent, and that sounded very funny. We work about, I'm guessing, probably 50 metres away from where the interview was being conducted, and the laughs that were coming from there, that old JT, <laughs> it was just blaring out. Across level one, it sounds like it's going to be a really good interview without giving too much away. Did you say hello? Oh yeah, stop. Oh yeah, oh, hi, 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 JT. How you doing? You go, you good? And he replied, he was like, yeah, good, thanks, mate. How are you? You know, he was cool. He, nice. You know, he it was the first time he was meeting me, and he handled himself very well. Also in the news, Schnaz, something close to you, which we did talk about in previous episodes, was the streaming of trial matches. Looks like the fans got a win there. It looks like clubs have been allowed to stream their matches on their websites, their trial matches. Can you talk about the situation and, and how that's going to affect the Sharks, for instance? Essentially, the decision was reversed. There is a little bit of a stipulation that the clubs have to use Telstra's uh, streaming devices and websites and, and that kind of thing. So it's not an independent product it's still through the nrl and telstra yes the nrl clubs have the right to stream their trial matches i'm not sure if all 16 clubs will be involved in that or not certainly some will be at this stage it's 99 percent confirmed that uh, the club i support the Cronulla sharks will be streaming their first match at shark park against manly and uh, myself and my friend adam newman we both are involved in a sharks podcast called the shark cast and we're going to do a bit of commentary slash club promotion slash chit-chat during the game. Should be fun. It'll be good to see what each club does with their respective matches. I think that's going to be the exciting thing. I touched on it a few episodes ago about the FFA Cup and how clubs did their own streaming. I think this is a great opportunity for people like us and a lot of you guys out there that have your own podcasts and have your own idea of trying to become a commentator or or a me- someone in the media and this is just a great opportunity for people and and this is a byproduct of that that we could unearth maybe a really good commentator or media personality over the next few months i can confirm the next commentator we find over the next few months will not be me thankfully it worked out for the fans point of view and it's gonna be great just to watch the trials whenever we can like i guess that's really good because you know the super coach Prices got announced this week and everyone's excited. There's so much talk about Supercoach on, on social media, Schnaz. And I think this is just a great opportunity to, for, for people to pick their squads and work out, oh, this guy looks really good in this position. He might not play, but if this, let's say, starter gets injured, then he's going to slide in nicely and that's a good guy to have on my bench. And that's just a little, this is the whole thing we talked about before. If you allow things to happen, there's going to be benefits 
trickle across the code, whether it be for the fans, for the clubs, for the players, for the management. And this is one thing that I think is going to start the ball rolling for more emphasis on trials and more money to be thrown at them to promote them in different areas of Australia and the Pacific. And also, obviously, kickstart games for the media like Supercoach. In America, you can watch every NFL game on their NFL League Pass and probably three games a week are broadcast on their free-to-air TV. And that's pre-season. And that's with the same idea that the NFL teams are only playing their stars for a quarter. They're only getting minimal time, but it's still an event. And people still go. I'm glad we're leaning that way. And yes, the football isn't going to be amazing. It's part of what we want to see. We want to see the trial. It's a taste. It's an entree for the main course, which is the season. And that's what, or that's all we want from it. You mentioned Supercoach. I've already put, I've already, you know, started at I want to let our listeners know at what you're hinting at. That is, you are probably the biggest fantasy guru that I know across all sports. In fact, am I correct in saying one year you even did fantasy golf? Yeah, I did give fantasy golf a go. I'm not that good at it because I do spread myself quite thin, but it's a great way to get knowledgeable about certain sports, like who's good, who's statistically good. That's why I mainly do it, Schnaz. I'm not out there to try and win the prize money and obviously enjoy the games for what they are. I only played golf one year, thank goodness, but I've already just marked out my key players in my team. What do you think of this? I've got RTS, I've got James Tedesco, Matt Moylan, Jackson Hastings, Boyd Cordner, Josh Jackson, Jake Granville, and Brenton Lawrence as my core. Do you like that? You love Brenton Lawrence. He's cheap. Look, you've got some stars there for sure, and it's a good balanced team. I'd like to see where else you go in that squad. I know, it was pretty hard to get a team together with those guys already in there, but... (laughs) Your cap's getting a bit full. Mate, I reckon I can win the title this year in our little comp. I've already given you a taste. I'm not going to give you my other ones because they're the the cogs, the key parts of the team. Uh, Fantasy sports is huge around the world. You've heard us talk about NFL a little bit over the weeks. In sports like that, it is a religion. They have their own shows, their own TV shows. It's a thing, and it's catching on here for sure. Where we work, we know for a fact that NRL Supercoach is the biggest deal in the world to a certain amount of people. If you keep listening to us, one of us at least will spill a lot of gossip about who is good and who is not good. Oh, we will probably give you tasty buys throughout the year. Don't worry about that. I'll be looking all over for those little tidbits and, and you know, to get the jump on you, Schnaz. You know I'm the guy that audits the stats, right? I know, and that's why there'll be a couple of uh, coffees on your desk come Monday and Tuesday morning. Over the last week, there are a couple of player transactions as well that we'll quickly touch on. The Broncos signed two young guys, Tavita Pangai and Marion Sevi from the Tigers. Canberra must be hating Brisbane at the moment. They keep taking their players and have done so since 1988. Here's a little list I compiled of players and coaches. Can I guess the first one from 1988? Yes. Terry Madison? Well, I didn't actually have him there, Schnaz. Good, good get on that one. Was he Canberra to Brisbane or the other way around? He definitely played the first season in 1988. I guess listeners can clarify this. I think he was in that... 987 Canberra squad. I don't think he played in the grand final against Manly, though. Go on. I didn't mean to interrupt with my superior rugby league knowledge. Well, from that 87 squad that I can remember, Wayne Bennett was the 
co-coach with Don Ferner. He went for the first season with the Broncos, as well as Kevin Walters and Steve Jackson, I believe. They also have lost Glenn Lazarus, the brick with eyes, as he was touted on Ryan HG calls for Origin. Another one, obviously, last year, Anthony Milford. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Schnaz, one more thing before we start with the previews. Whilst I was in Melbourne, I got to listen to a few podcasts, and there was one rugby league one that stood out, and it was the Bear Pit. It was a North Sydney Bears podcast, the first episode. The podcast featured Perry Lopez, one of the board members of the North Sydney Bears, and also the North Sydney Bear, Greg Florimo. It was a great listen. It really is something that we do tend to forget about from time to time as uh, other supporters in the NRL. But, you know, it's great to see the Bears with their presence. I think this is this is a great medium for fans to listen to throughout, you know, the New South Wales Cup season to follow the team. But there will also be pushes for NRL inclusion, like conversations about that. And I think they've got to be one of the teams at the forefront when it comes to expansion. And if they keep this up, this momentum up, they might give the NRL no option other to then include them into the competition. I am planning on listening to that podcast this week. I'm very excited to do so. Is there a bit of history in there as well? It sounds like there's going to be interviews with ex-players, people that are currently in the, obviously with Greg and and. And Perry, there, there's been there's going to be interviews with people that are involved with the club, uh, a bit like Cumberland Throw that we mentioned last last episode. There might be some interviews with those ex players over the next few weeks. I believe they're interviewing Mark McGaw in Sparkles. episode two, so it could be another good listen. Hopefully, there'll be some questions about his gladiator career. Sparkles is involved in their junior coaching, I believe. I'm really looking forward to unearthing these sort of podcasts, like your Sharkcast one for all the clubs. I've got to ask, Brooksy, is it similar to what the Shark It's been is? interviews. It's been a bit of Q&A to start with, I guess. We'll find out what TJ, the guy that hosts the podcast, will do over the next couple of months. It's a great medium to do things, and I'm very close to the NRL side of things because not only of this fantastic legal life with you and I, but also the Shark Cast, which we've mentioned a thousand times in this episode. But uh, it is a new medium. It is growing very strongly. I experienced that last year with the Shark Cast. And it's going to continue to grow. I would not be surprised if every club had either an official or hopefully unofficial one by the end of the year. Hayne the carry. Hayne with a hole. Jared Hayne, nice cutback. Hayne looking for a little bit of clearance. And Jared Hayne fighting his way near the 10-yard line. A.J. Boyer saves the, ta- saves the touchdown. But Jared Hayne, one of the best rugby players in Australia, getting his first football action and looking Brooksy, you were in Melbourne on the weekend, as you told us earlier in this podcast. Did you get any gossip on the Melbourne Storm? No, I didn't. Amy Park looked really good and Gosh's paddock around it, but I didn't get any Melbourne Storm goss. That's okay, because we have it covered here in the League Life. They're the next team we're going to preview right now. The Melbourne Storm. Well, last year, they started off really well, as they usually do. Eight wins from their first ten. But then as soon as Origin rolled around, that's when they started to struggle. They lost four straight around that Origin period. They finished off the season quite well. I thought they could have been one of the teams to, to really, that would have been in the grand final. They beat the, Remember, they beat the Roosters in week one at Allianz. And after the Roosters had had a really strong finish to the season. But then 
week two at home against the Cowboys, they got thumped. The Storm, for me, most years in recent times, it's a very similar plan. They start incredibly strong. They come out all guns blazing. They're three best players, and then usually one or two others, are gone for two months playing rep footy. They'll struggle, and they finish the year strong. And then they're thereabouts. And everyone always says, well, if the Storm are there, they're dangerous. They're probably the most competitive team in the NRL for me every year. And when you think about it, Slater only played seven games last year. Everyone was talking about Cameron Munster in the middle to back end of the season, how he filled in so well for Billy at the back. And Corabetti's first season, full season at the Storm, he got bagged 16 tries. What a great purchase. And another great player that they've been able to fit into that core that's been able to produce. They were one game away from the grand final and without Slater. And that's just a great outcome for the team. Craig Bellamy is the angriest man in the NRL. We all know that. But man, he must be a heck of a coach. As you said in Corabetti's example, a guy who could not defend to save his life was quick as lightning. He turned him into a very well-rounded winger for the Melbourne Storm. He does it with numerous other players throughout year after year after year. Guys like Brian Norrie, Blake Green. I can tell you when he was at Cronulla, he wasn't much chop. Went to England. Was he not one of the best value buyers last year? Absolutely, that's, that's what I'm getting at. He was he. Oh, I kind of scoffed when they bought him, and he was consistent every week next to Cooper Cronk. And Bellamy and his team and his staff, they just ha- must have this incredible way of making these players feel so comfortable in their role. And I think that's a real key. Guys like Smith, Slater, and Cronk, they have several roles, but I think a lot of the more less famous players have a role to play. Brooksy, one role, and they do it. That's your job. Go to your job. You see every year that there's generally one or two Storm players that are looked at from other clubs that potentially to fill their gaps. And they seem to just keep producing and keep finding those players. Like, obviously, the year before, it was like Ben Roberts. You know, he was couldn't find a home in Sydney and then goes down to Melbourne and has probably one of his best years. This is something that they need to do down there. They obviously don't have that junior base set up as yet. And they probably don't have a lot of cap space because of the three superstars. And that'll continue once this new crop of talent that have come through come off contract like your Jesse Bromwiches, your Tohu Harris's, your Kevin Proctor's. How good is Jesse Bromwich? Those three in the forward pack I really like. Jesse Bromwich, we touched on uh, two of us, a Sheck in the Warriors um, preview, and he was the leading forward in terms of metres made. Oh, he's the complete prop. I would say he's underrated just in the sense that a lot of people do think he's the best prop in the world, but a lot of people don't, and they should. Like He's very close to the best prop in the world right now. Here's their gains and losses for 2016, Schnaz. They signed Chase Blair from Manly, Jeremy Hawkins and Mark Nichols from Canberra, and Matt White from the Titans. So, Brooksy, that's the perfect example, those four guys you mentioned, starting with Chase Blair, who, as you know, I've obsessed over how average he is as a player. But he could fit right in, and he might take over Matt Duffy's numbers, who was one of the losses. He's going to Rugby Union. Mahe Fanua's going to England, and Kurt Mann going to the Dragons. Another pivotal part of their team over the last few years, Ryan Hinchcliffe, who's been that guy that can go in and play hooker or back row. They're losing Heimel Hunt to South. Tom Leroy Lars is retiring. 
and also Dane Weston is leaving to go to the English Super League with Lee. There is one gain you've left out there, my friend. A young centre called Curtis Scott from the Cronulla under-20s system. A freak of a kid, and I know you all think I'm biased and everything, but within a year and a half, he'll be playing NRL in the centres for them. So watch that space for Curtis Scott. So the outside backs, they still have some strike power out there, even though we just mentioned that they're losing a few of those. They're, they're looking like they're going to have Slater, Corabetti, Munster, Chambers, Young Tonomapia or Chase Blair and Jeremy Hawkins, as we mentioned. They've got Slade Griffin and, and Richard Kenner. Not a bad core of outside backs there. I think that's enough to get through the season. When you look at the players who are playing around them in other key positions, I think that's... Uh, Pretty secure one to five. Yeah. Do you think um, Munster will be in the centres to start the season? I'm not really sure, Brooksy, about where he will play, but you would think he'd be in the 17 somewhere. And if he's not, he'd be the 18th man every week. I don't think they can risk not starting him on the proviso that other teams would be showing him the world if once he comes off contract. I believe he's got two years left on his contract. So you can't be a utility player because Cam Smith's not coming off the field. I think outside backs, maybe in the centres, but then maybe when uh, Origin begins, he might fill in in the halves, maybe in 5.8 and shift Blake Green at halfback. It's nice having Munster, and who knows? He could be thrown into the halves in Origin time, you know, just to see how he goes. And the forward action, as like we talked about, it's sort of dripping on my microphone, like thinking about these guys. Not in that way. Woof, Dale woof. Finnecane, Tohu Harris, Kevin Proctor, Jesse Bromwich, Cameron Smith, Tim Glasby, Jordan McLean. I love Jordan McLean. That's quality. Nelson Asofa Solomona had some good games last year. They're a big pack. Kenny Bromwich, Matt White, as we mentioned in the in the games. They've just got Felice Cafusi. It's a good pack. There is a mixture of youth and experience there. Yeah, and that's what you need. That's what yeah. you need in the pack. You can't yeah. have just a bunch of old guys or a bunch of young guys. Jordan McLean will be even better in three or four years' time, and he's he's a first grader now. You know, props get better with age. And this is going to be the strength in 2016. I guess some of the big things, the big questions for the Storm in 2016, and this one is always Arshner's, well, has been for the last few seasons. Are the Storm on the decline? It usually gets asked around origin time. Let's And like we said, how their season sort of ebbs and flows. Yeah, they won 15 in a row and then they lost four and they're gone. That's it. They're done. But that's like, you know, when you see like a two-game or a three-game losing streak, reporters will be like, what's up with the Tigers? What's up with the Dragons? What's up new- with Newtown? Well, they're not in the comp. <laughs> I love it when the sports agencies release their, their bet. When will this team win another game? Yeah, yeah. Next minute? Yeah, I think it's a ridiculous question. I'm kind of sick of hearing about it. They will be on the decline when the big three are not around, and that will be a rebuilding time. And i got a feeling they're still going to get it right. They're a historically very successful team. So this is an interesting thing too, Schnaz. They've only got 13 players contracted for 2017, and I think a lot of them will be playing for that next contract. Here's just some of the names. Sofa Solomona, Kronk, Glasby, Kenny Bromwich, Blake Green, Slade Griffin, Ben Hampton... Richard Kenner, the center, Marika Corabetti, and young Tonomapia. I'd be re-signing a bunch of those guys. They're all playing for another contract. I know definitely Kronk will get one, and that's another question which you should address shortly. I like how their team's built. Yeah, they were really 
reliant on the big three, but now their forward pack starting to become one of the better ones. I did mention the Bulldogs as probably the best pack last episode. I think these guys are going to contend with them as being the best pack in the league. When you when you read out the names and you think about four of them are representative of their country. I love their effort, Brooksy. A guy like Tohu Harris doesn't get too many headlines, but he's a great first grade forward. He really puts in, does damage when he runs, he can defend, and he seems like a bit of a workhorse. And, and guys like that, you can probably pay unders for in a sense because they want to stick around in a championship winning team and I think Melbourne get away with that a little bit like yes they're interstate but imagine if you're the recruitment guy and you're you've got a meeting with a younger player or a lesser known player or a less glamorous player and you, and you could say well you could go to that team for $310,000 or you could come to Melbourne and play with Cronk, Smith and Slater under Craig Bellamy for 200000 plus living expenses, etc. I, I, I do think that they can get away with that a little bit. And, and good luck to them. And that's what's the appeal about the Storm. Like you touched on, like you're out of the spotlight and those sort of quiet achievers really flourish down there. And, and we've talked about that with probably Blake Green last year. And these guys like Proctor and Harris, you don't really hear about them. And they're just doing their own thing and they're actually really good and possibly top echelon back rowers and they're never mentioned in the top five i bet you bellamy wouldn't trade them for any other back rower in the league i'm bursting at the seams to talk about my boy cooper cronk and the reason why i say he's my boy is that he is my boy he's my number one favorite player in the nrl yes probably even more than valentine holmes although you know maybe it'll be borderline there but i'm a long time cronk fanatic I love the way he plays the game. I love the way he conducts himself. I have to believe he's going to stick around in Melbourne, but the rumours and newspapers are telling me otherwise. So obviously there's a few teams like my Dragons in Sydney that have have interest in Cooper Cronk for 2017. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out this year. He's uh, going to be probably the number one target of the teams. In of the free agents this year going into 2017 so it would be shame to see him leave Melbourne that legacy leave that behind but hey as a Dragons fan it'd be great I think he's the sort of player that really would relish the fact that he was a one team man having said that he's such a unique individual as an athlete he could just completely flip that coin and say yeah I'm going to go play with insert the team when I say he's unique, we urge you to visit his official website. I think it's coopercronk.com, but just Google. You've got it bookmarked on your web browser at work, Schnaz. HR's been asking me questions about why you visit it so much. But anyway, that's another question for another time. If you're looking for some positivity in your life, go to coopercronk.com. He's a great man. I'm, I'm leaning towards him staying at Melbourne, but we'll see how it plays out. Either way, he's going to have a great year. He's, a, he's such a competitive little fella and... I love the way he plays. I watch him very closely in all seriousness, the way he plays, the way he marches them around the field. He's a winner. He's, 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 he's an absolute winner. So Schnaz, Slater's back. Kronk's going to have a big year. The forward pack's one of the best in the league. How do you see him this season? Definitely making the finals. Yep, I concur with that. It's such a cliche, but if the big three are not injured and playing together, they've got to be a strong chance. On the back of that forward pack that you've been going on about, quite rightly so, there's no reason why they can't win the comp. I think the Slater injury last year has been beneficial for them this year. And now that Munster is going to be in the mix, they're just going to have 
another option there. And you see how well the other three link up, Smith, Cronk, and Slater. Well, here's another guy that can maybe link up with Chambers, you know, maybe link up with Corabetti, and they're going to have more more options, and that's going to be where their strength lies. We haven't even discussed Will Chambers, but he had an amazing 2015. And he's a guy for me who was... I never really thought that highly of, but his defense was outstanding last year at NRL level as well as rep football level. And again, that's just another piece of the puzzle that does their job really, really well. So I think we're both expecting big things from the Melbourne Storm. One more left, Chambers. Ennis was coming out looking for him once again. Harris got it to Mann. He gave it to Corabini. It's play on for the moment. Still the All right, Schnaz. The Dragons. The St. George Illawarra Dragons. Finished eighth last year. I think I was one of nine people that thought they would make the finals last year. I was I was quietly confident that they could sneak in, which they did. They had an amazing start. I think they were first at one stage. Surprising. Mary, what was he doing with that squad early in the season? He really got the best out of them. Yeah, a guy who came into the job under a lot of pressure. And he's probably still under a little bit of pressure because there's such a well-supported club. All of your mob expect this success that's born upon you. Mighty St. George Dragons with a little bit of Illawarra in there. Mary did really well. He did really well. And he's a guy that I kind of am quietly rooting for. Like I watched him growing up as a player and there's something about him that I think is very likable. They started 8-3. and three, And remember, we were at the game that... 11th game was the 42-6 to demolition of the Sharkies at Cogra. It, it was an amazing performance. Yeah. But then after that, Schnaz, and I guess when you do play the Sharks, things can change. They lost seven straight after that. They just snuck in. They just snuck into the finals. And they went down 11-10 in Golden Point against the Doggies. That was 2015. I think as a Dragons fan... The emergence of some of the forwards was key. Leeson Armow, Mike Cooper, who they signed from England, Tyson Frizzell, and Jack DeBellin really stood up a bit more. And that was key in their defense and, and what they prided themselves on throughout the season. Their attack, on the other hand, Schnaz, was one of the worst. 15th in points scored at just under 18 a game. They were the only team to score less than three t- tries a game. And they had the fewest line breaks. Why do you think that was? Too much reliance on Benji and Gareth Witter. Like, I was looking at the stats. 60% of their triases came from those two. And I think that shows you that they're very predictable in their attack. That it's generally going to be one of those two conducting traffic inside the 20. I think that's something they need to consider going forward. And I think Mary has tried to do that with his recruitment some of those outside backs that can create their own options. They are a defensive-heavy team, and that's what they rely on, grinding out those wins. And looking at some of the stats as well, they had eight games where they scored over 20 points, or 20 points or more. That's not good, and that's why that's why they were probably losing just as many games as they were winning. Does Benji suit the Dragons' style of play? I think he does, because he does have that element of surprise in his attack what you're saying there is that uh benji gives you a bit of x factor i'm saying does he suit the dragon style of play 
It depends. Like that, I don't think I can answer that. I know he sticks to the structure, but he does play his own hand sometimes. And you remember that try against the Bulldogs where he just stepped around. That was our only try of the game. Well, this is what I'm getting at, Brooksy. To me, he's more of a off-the-cuff kind of player. Yes, he can stick to the schedule. He's experienced now and he's he's done it all. But I think he's a bit more of your fly-free kind of half. And the way you played last year, I'm suggesting, wasn't a great mix. He brought you some things. I don't know if you brought him some things. I wonder if that will change this year, if there'll be a little bit more attack orientation going on. Yeah, I'm hoping that's the case. And you look at some of the players that they're going to have, the gains are Kurt Mann, Russell Packer, Tim Laffey, Mossy Masoy, Saliva Havili, Josh McCrone, Tane Milne, a youngster from the Roosters, Torren McCarthy, Dunamis Louie from Manly, Sebastian Ikehifo, Adam Quinlan comes back, and Khalifa Firefire Law. They've got solid depth at each position, but they haven't recruited a star player, which is, I think, what they needed. Kurt Mann was a, a good addition, and he was probably, or other than Russell Packer, was probably one of their early gains for 2016. But then they go out and get Tim Laffey, and and I think that sort of contradicted that buy. So uh, the concern for me is utilizing that money for a star rather than having two players that are probably... On good money. Yes, and also they're contending for a position. And that was my concern. I think the outside backs, there's a lot of young guys coming through at the Dragons in the outside back, Schnaz. And I think that's where they probably needed to... They they needed a star rather than that depth. But if there's injuries, I think they're going to have a similar player come into that position to play. Other than probably your Josh Dugan, your Gareth Widdops. You know, you're going to lose a bit there. But every other position, I think you're getting a like-for-like replacement if it's injury or origin or suspension. And their losses, well, obviously we touched this touched on Trent Merrin in the Penrith section. He's going to be a big loss. But as I mentioned about the forwards, those other guys like your Frizzell, your DeBellins, your Coopers, Armours are going to step up. And I don't think he'll be a big loss at all. He's just a name loss, I think. I think those guys are all going to contribute a bit more. Big statement. Not discounting Trent's ability and his talent. I think he's an amazing player. But sometimes when you lose one of those players that does a lot for you, you get a little bit more out of it out of everyone else, and that's where your consistency comes. And it doesn't ride on the fact that Trent's on a good having a good game or a bad game. It's the pack as a whole plays well. Uh, Craig Garvey, Nathan Green, Dan Hunt retired, Dane Nielsen left, Justin Hunt, and Rory O'Brien. I definitely see they have built up that depth, a stronger depth for 2016. Again, the star factor for me is probably the concern there in the recruitment. How do you see the back line sorting itself out there, Brooks? For example, would Kurt Mann and Tim Lafay, the two new recruits in the outside backs, would they be in the same starting 13? Peter Matiuti is probably going to be the one that misses out in round one. I'm looking at probably Kurt Mann at fullback and Dugan in the centres. Oh, there was this talk about Dugan in the centres. So I wanted to do a bit of research when he was in the centres. In the, the season in which he played centre, he had 12 games at centre for nine tries and two try assists. So he was quite effective there in the centres in terms of productivity, in terms of tries. But the Dragons' try rate that season is a bit of an anomaly with the last four years. So 2012, they had 74 tries. 2013, 68. 2014, when he was playing in the centres, they had 86. 
And then last year, they dropped back down to 72. This could be a move to spike up that attack. He didn't really set up tries as a fullback, and I think his strength is running at the line. And that's where I think Kurt Mann might be good because he might be a bit more of a creator in attack. Surely his strength is also in his kick returns, though, Josh Tuchel. Yes, I, I guess that that is key. But I remember watching some games. It wasn't necessarily that first kick return that he was doing damage. It was the second or third tackle when one of the wingers brought the ball up. Then he would get in a dummy half and do his run. And I think at center, you and Atkin did that well last year. And I think if you can you can team him up with Dugues in that initial set. That's going to be huge. They lost that with Brett Morris last year. Wherever Dugan is, I just hope that the Dragons can get what you're paying him out of his worth every week, week in, week out. Because he is an amazingly damaging player when he wants to be. He's not adverse to an injury, whether it's a serious one or a minor one. And obviously, we want him to play a full year. As I said, I just want him to really be active for that 80 minutes because sometimes, for me personally, he can go a little bit missing. But I know how destructive he is. I've been watching him since he was in the under-20s. And he's a pretty exciting player. The Dragons got 22 games out of him of the 25 games last year, which is pretty good considering he played Origin as well. So I don't know what they're doing down there in terms of his health. He is pulling up with injuries during the game, but he did pretty much play a full season for them. And that's going to be key again for the Dragons this year, and that's probably why they did overachieve. They got some of those star players through the whole season. And... I think it's it's key. Like I did mention, there were some positions that are like-for-like replacements, but he needs to be in the team. The forwards, I think, doesn't look as strong on paper than how tough they are on the field. And they copped it in 2014 about their, their size of the pack. With the interchanges, this might be a strength for the Dragons, that they've got somewhat big guys that are quite mobile. Recruited Masoy and Packer now eligible to play this year makes the pack bigger. I, I, I look at the pack being DeBellin, Frizzell, Cooper, Armour, Rain, and Packer. But then you've got Joel Thompson, you've got Will Matthews, Jake Marchetto, Tyrone McCarthy, Ben Cray, and Mossy. So that's where your four off the bench are probably going to be. What's going on with Ben Cray? Is he ever going to retire? This is his last year. and as we- Is it really his last year? I think it is. It you looks like it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they've changed the captaincy. The, the team captain, he's still the club captain, but he's the team captain. Gareth Widdett will wear the armband, so to speak, this year. But I think Benny's on his last hurrah. It's the Ben Cray, Kobe Bryant-style tour around the NRL. I can't wait to say goodbye to him. Round two, Shnaz. <laughs> I'll be there waving. <laughs> Is he going to be in the 17 every week? I'm not, I'm not picky on him. I'm just being serious. Are you, as a Dragons fan, are you still happy with his effort? I think so. I think he had a pretty good, pretty good season for coming off the bench. I think he came off the bench around 15 to 16 times last year. And he provided, like, he, he's not playing 80 minutes. He's playing 35 to 40. And that's, that's what you need out of a veteran like that. And he's, he's, there's been some miles put on those legs, Shnaz. And I think it's time to see some of those new guys come through. And I think that's where the captaincy's probably shifted this year because they want the new crop coming through to get more time. And look, he's been an amazing servant for the Red V and you can't ask for any more out of Ben. I reckon he's put in 100% all the time, every season. Won a comp. He won a comp. 
he's done his service and I think it's time to see some of the young guys come through and I think that's where he's shifting. It's his last year. He'll be assistant coach next year, right? They've looked after players, Ben Hornby, Dean Young. Cut the cord, Dragons. Cut the cord. Isn't there a job in admin or something for these guys? Oh, you're going to be coach. You're going to be assistant coach. You're head trainer. You're the water boy. The Red V is a part of me. It's a part of Ben. It's a part of everyone, Schnaz. It's not a part of me. Good. The Dragons look after their players well post-career, and it'll be great to see what he does for the club. I love how Wendell Saylor is a part of the Red V too. He was there for, what, 32 minutes? Yeah, but he, but he was looked after, Schnaz. And that's, and that's what ha- that's what is great about this club that I see. Uh, Even though I've come from the Steelers, they're very tight knit. Looking at the season, I think they would want probably a similar result. I think there's been talk of top four from the club, not from the pundits. Surely every club is aiming for that anyway. In all seriousness, I'm sure the Titans are in a huddle and they're not going. We're going to win the spoon. We're going to make the finals. Everyone wants to win the premiership, and I understand that. But I think there has to be some realistic goals, and and sometimes teams don't look to September. They go game to game, and I don't mind that. They got eighth, and they weren't expected to get into the finals. I think it's going to be hard to replicate that with some of those teams around the finals cusp seeming like they've improved and strengthened their squad. So this is a big season for Mary. Second year syndrome. It's his, well, it's his third season at the club. His second full year at the helm. It's a close competition, Brooksy. There are not many teams you'd rule out of making the finals. There are a lot of teams that can make it. And that's right. That's that's. And we've we've discussed some of these clubs along the way. We've still got a few more to discuss that are probably going to be in that top half of the finals. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Dragons. Cooper Cronk is going to be in the back of their mind, probably trying to negotiate that. Here we go. Shnaz, you'll be able to tear up your uh, I want to bonk the cronk sign that you take down to the Shark Park for the Melbourne games. I can just drive across the bridge and set up camp in Cogra and wait for Cooper to walk past the Sizzler restaurant and say, Hey, Cooper, it's me, Shnaz, your biggest fan. I love Cooper Cronk. I love him, as we discussed a little bit in the Melbourne preview before. I will be heartbroken if he goes to your nasty evil dragons. Having said that, he do immense things for your club. In summary, I think they can replicate what they did last year, but is it going to be enough to make the finals? What I think they'll probably win as many as they lose, but that might not get you eighth this year. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on what other teams are doing around you. I think you'll be thereabouts to make the eight, and I, and I just think if there's a bit of a, a logjam of teams from eight to 12, which is very likely this year, then it'll be up to a bit of luck, a bit of for and against, etc. whether you, for me, whether you make the finals or not. But as you pointed out, there is a lot of strength in that team, as much as I hate to say it. One last thing about the Dragons for 2016. Dragons fans, I want to try and get a Winnebago from Sydney to Queensland. We have three straight games in Queensland this year, Shnaz. I think it's unprecedented. Is that right? We've got Cowboys in Townsville, Brisbane at Suncorp, and the Gold Coast at Seabus Super Stadium in back-to-back-to-back weeks. There's no bye week or rep footy week. No, no, it's straight up. That's ridiculous. I want to see the Dragons do some sort of reality TV show on their website. Ben Cray could star in it. Ben Cray, John Howard, Wendell... And maybe Johnny Raper would be amazing. Oh, Johnny's got to be there. And maybe a Steeler. Maybe like like a John Doherty type. 
like everyone chewing the fat about the dragons, trying to share a shower in a Winnebago, like, oh, Wendell's, Wendell's been in there for an hour preening. Like, how good would that be? It'd be great TV for Dragons TV. I've got a feeling that Dorothy and a Raper might get in a bit of a stash. There's a bit of alcohol involved and whose team is it really? Who got the shorts? Who got the socks? I want the Dragons to take this on. I want it to be on their website. I want them to get the ratings because it's going to obviously rate through the roof. But yeah, it's going to be an exciting time, that two-week period up in Queensland. Well, that brings us to the end of the Dragon Den, the official St. George Illawarra Dragons podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Next up, we have your Sharkies. Hey! What a turnaround it was in 2015 from 2014. Well, it couldn't have got any worse. Care to discuss? Wooden spooners, drug scandals, massive injury rout. The only way was up, baby. The coach came back, and they had a really, really good year. I was very proud of the way they played, and as a fan, it was really fun to see them play a bit more open football and really successful year on and off the field for the club. I, as a fan, really underplayed the role of a head coach in an NRL club. And I know it sounds silly saying that now, but I was under the impression that, oh, the coach is banned in 2014, but it's going to be okay because they've got the likes of Paul Gallon, Luke Lewis, Jeff Robson, all these old heads. And they've got an assistant coach coming in just to sort of fill in the gaps. But I couldn't have been more wrong. Flanagan comes back with some great recruitment in Michael Ennis, which we'll talk about. And we're back on board to a very good year. Week one of the finals against South Sydney... 28-12 winners. Did you think you would have got to that stage? No, I mean, I knew we weren't as bad as 0-4. I was, I, was, I was watching all the games closely and some tight losses there and games I should have won. It cannot be denied the emergence of young Jack Bird in round five, starting at 5-8, the, the first week he started at 5-8. And he won the game single-handedly for them. And I think that inspired the rest of the mob to sort of get, to correct what they were doing. And from then on, they, they were really good beating teams left, right and centre, winning away from home, winning consecutive games. They had a horror draw on the way home and they nailed that as well and it was a great year. We mentioned in the Dragons preview that that win for the Dragons over the Sharks sort of started the decline of their season whereas the Sharkies went the other way. They won 10 of the last 13 after that, including two of those game winners from Valentine Holmes, I think, in Golden Point. Well, there was more than that, but they were the ones by field goal, yes. It was because they released the shackles a little bit. They they weren't just doing the kicks for the tries and, and being that gritty defensive team. Yes, they, they maintain that defensive style. But when you have the likes of Bird and Valentine Holmes in your team, they need to get the ball. And when those guys get the ball, something's going to happen. They have been the biggest breath of fresh air for the fans in a long time, Nathan. A long, long time. I cannot state the importance of those two players enough. Have to bring up the 39-0 loss in week two of the finals up in Townsville. You guys chartered a plane up there for that, Schnaz. What the hell happened? The shark plane. The shark plane. I think it was Brendan Cowell and Elle McPherson's father in the cockpit flying you guys up there. Very close. Not as great a man. (laughs) Gavin Miller on the trolley cart handing out tinnies of VB. I believe the two best seats in the house somehow were occupied by a friend of the Shark cast, actually, Brendan Cowell, and the Telegraph writer, Buzz Rothfield. It was a disappointing way to finish, Brooksy, and from that very first hit-up, you could tell that the Sharks weren't in the game. I have no idea why. 
but they weren't even close, and it was very disappointing. After winning the wooden spoon in 2014, what a great turnaround. And and that's what the Sharkies fans are taking into 2016. Looking at 2016 and looking at the recruitment, it's pretty good. As Larry David would say, it's pretty, pretty good. People can uh, doubt Shane Flanagan's ability to coach because of his defensive style. They can doubt the way he coaches because of his history with the Asada and drugs issue. They cannot fault his recruitment. A couple of, you know, dud purchases here or there, but year to year, guys like Fafita, Lewis, Michael Ennis, even players like Bo Ryan, has always brought really great first graders who have bettered the club. And Ennis was the biggest example of that you'll ever see. He let go of Michael Leisha, who, as an under-20s player, we all loved. We loved him as much as we love Valentine Holmes. We love Michael Leisha. He was let go, and we got Michael Ennis as a replacement. And at the time, I myself and many others blew up. Why would you do that? Ennis was our best player last year, without doubt. He had a, a breakout year for his by his standards. Uh, his try assists last year were were dominant for us. Most from a hooker. He led the hookers in the NRL. So yeah, Flanagan's recruitment is really, really great. And this year he's done it again with James Maloney. And you're getting back Chad Townsend as well. So it's going to be a new set of halves for the Sharkies. This is where Cronulla fans should have the most hope is because last year they made it to the second week of finals with Jeff Robson, who is an aging limited halfback and Jack Bird, who... He's not a 5'8". In his first year of NRL? Yeah. And those two guys were steering us around the park. Now, this year, we have James Maloney, who was really, really great last year. That back end of the season with the Roosters, he was such a cog in that win streak that they had. Great goal kicker. Fantastic. And Chad Townsend will come back a much more mature player. He had a really good first half of the season last year with Sean Johnson by his side. And I know for a fact that the club is very impressed with his return and his training and his maturity. He's a local junior and he's going to play 100% to his capabilities. And I think that that will be a key strength. The kicking game is going to be 100% improved. With Maloney and Townsend, it's, it's up there for best halves combination in the league, I think. Like if Chad Townsend plays the way he did and then some on the back of Maloney's back end of the season, then... Why not? Why can't it be one of the best halves combinations in the league? It's exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah, and you've added a few others. Jesse Sini Lefeo from Manly, Joseph Paulo from Para. It's starting to look like a good squad there. You've got some veterans and you're getting a few more now. There's a lot of depth, particularly in the back line. It's going to be a real street fight to see who gets those positions. Also, probably a utility role on the bench. You have the age-old, where do you put Ben Barber? scenario so he could play fullback he could play from the bench he could play in the halves should one of the halves go down uh, you have valentine holmes who had an amazing year on the wing but he's a natural born fullback and ready to go in my opinion and jack bird has been training there in summer as well and apparently been doing a pretty good job for some reason the old three into one fullback drama last year maintains itself this year for 2016 but it's probably a problem that you'd rather have than not have and then you have guys like Jacob Gagan who last year had a horrific run with injury but the year before was one of our best players and he's still pretty young he'd be in my starting 13 he'd be a winger for me I love Jacob Gagan he's going to be there to fight it out guys like Ricky Latelli who have signed a new three-year contract he's now going to struggle to hold on his spot because I believe Jack Bird will start in the centers 
And I think Barber will start at fullback with him and Valentine switching. There's so many options. There is. And 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 for a long time, we didn't have any backs at all. Like, I would struggle to name a back that we had. Paul Franze. No. No. Ben Pomeroy. The end of the John Lang era with your Rogers and your ETs, when we had an amazing back line. Since then, they've struggled. They really have. But now they're getting back to that kind of attacking play. That forward pack, Shnaz. That's an... I look at it. Graham, Hyington, Lewis, Gallon, Ennis, Fafida, Bakuya... Joseph Paulo, Sam Tagatizi. Jesse Senni Lafeo. That's another good forward pack. Matt Pryor. He had a really good year last year. He was good. I have to say, Brooksy, as a out-and-out Sharks devotee, sometimes their forward pack last year disappointed me. I know that sounds a bit strange, but they weren't their dominant self week in, week out. There were weeks when they would probably have an off week. I mean, you look at that Cowboys game in the final, for example, that's where we lost it in the forwards. If we're going to be that dominant forward pack that people like you are going to claim as one of the best, then when it comes to those moments, you've got to make those tackles. And in that final, it was the more experienced forwards who let us down. Yeah, really great on paper. And I'll tell you who needs to have a big year is Andrew Fafida because even though his stats were really great, he didn't have a happy year. He's going to have to concentrate on the little things, Nathan, like playing the ball properly and his discipline on the field. And then he can be at his dominant best. Because uh, he's a great athlete. I love him off the field. He's got him and his and his twin brother, David, like so jovial off the field. I just want him to be serious on the field for 80 minutes. Imagine what sort of player he could be. We saw it in 2013. He was unbelievable for the Sharks. And you're right. I mean, we sit up in the stand and we pay a lot of money to sit there and watch these guys go around. And he gives away penalties and he just laughs. And I know that that's part of his personality, but it still sort of bugs me to see it. And I'm not suggesting that he should change his personality. If that's how he is, that's how he is. But it's not a good look. And he was playing the ball incorrectly for probably a year and a half. When he had his off-field dramas, which coincided with the game against the Bulldogs, so his name was all over the press for the abusing the younger referee. So Fafita was everywhere, and it was Brad Fittler, who brought it to the attention on the Nine Network, and he said, let me show you something about this guy. And he showed, like, about eight incorrect play the balls. And that afternoon against the Bulldogs at Belmore Oval, he was penalised twice for incorrect play the balls. And it was the first time, I think, he'd been penalised for it. And little things like that, he needs to get out of his game. He's on big money. He's on serious money at the Sharks. And at his best, as we saw against the Warriors at Shark Park, he is... A wrecking ball is a match winner, but you know we need that week in, week out. You look at teams that have won premierships, and it's not just scoring more points than the other team. It's the subtleties. It's the little things that you do right. Running off the ball, being in position in defense, playing the ball quickly, tackling effectively. And they're the sort of things that some of these players that have so much... We touched on Josh Reynolds last episode... If they can just do those simple things right and it and it gets drummed into their game, they could be amazing players and the teams that they play for could go to that next level. And that's what I see with him. If he can take that, do all those subtleties right on the field, have a laugh off the field, but when it's game time, it's game time, the Sharkies are going to be up there. I've got no reason to believe that Flanagan isn't as hard a hitting coach as anyone else in the NRL. But I do sometimes think about imagine if he was playing for the Melbourne Storm and Craig Bellamy 
had to put up with those play the balls. Can you imagine how quickly he wouldn't put up? With well, them. imagine how quickly they would be eradicated from the, from his game. Again, I'm not saying that Shane Flanagan doesn't address it with him. I just think that it's a new year and he's had a long off season, and we've seen in the off season that they're going to be very, very heavy on the play the balls, the referees. So he he needs to get out of his game in the trials. If it happens in the trials, fine, get it out of your system. But by round one. Do little things right, and I, I believe he can have another great year like he did in 2013. The return of New Brown, Nathan. You know I'm a big New Brown fan. He injured himself in the Auckland Nines in 2015, was out for the year. Very unfortunate because in 2014 he played a lot of games for us, mostly at 5'8", and was a real breath of fresh air for the Sharks fans. He's a very, he's a very versatile player. I've seen him play... Most positions on the field, aside from prop, I've seen him play outside back, I've seen him play fullback, centre, and hooking role, which is where they're sort of directing him for the future. They think that he'll be the the next Michael Ennis, basically. Now, the problem with that is, while Ennis is playing, Ennis is an 80-minute player, but he can play utility role off the bench. They've also bought Matt McCulrick from the Roosters, and I'm told he's been really, really impressive in the off-season. And he's pushing to sort of be the number two backup. So I'm not sure where, that, where that'll leave New Brown. He's very th- well thought of at the club. He's on a decent contract. And it's there for him to, to cement a position in the 17. But I just wonder, particularly with the Barber situation as well. I mean, if Barber, for whatever reason, is on the bench, then there's no room for New Brown. I wouldn't think. Unless he can play a back row kind of role. But they have a thousand back rowers anyway. So it's going to be interesting for Sharks fans to see the... Uh, the re-emerges of New Brown and how that fits into the 17. So he's one to look out for in 2016. He might not play the 24 game regular season games, but he if he gets a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's got a great step on him. The Sharkies, 2016. Could be Gals last season. Who knows? They've got a few big names off contract this after this season, Schnaz. One being Paul Gallen, Jason Bakuya, Chris Hyington, Luke Lewis. Ennis has a team option for 2017. So I'm sure they'll probably take that up if he has a similar season to what he did in 2015. I like their chances. I think they're a top four team. They may lose a couple of people to origin, but that's that's it. I think Maloney and Townsend are going to be their halves throughout the year. They've got some good options at all the positions. I I just see them having a successful year again. I think barring any serious injury to a key player, there should be no excuses for them not to be a top four team. I don't really buy into the whole it's going to take time for it to gel and that kind of thing. They've had all off-season. They're professional footballers. I think they need to start well. They've got a tough first four weeks, but if they can get through that with a couple of wins, particularly round two against your Dragons, they'll be looking good to make the finals. And then I really think it's time for Shane Flanning as a coach to cement himself in that finals position. He, uh, he's he been there for the majority of his seasons. He's made the finals, and, and that's a great accolade. I need to start seeing them taken as a serious finals contender. So, you know, if they can't win the big one, then they need to lose the big one or they need to make the prelim again. And there's some good coaches out there that are not aligned with the team and if I was let's say for instance Ivan Cleary this is a squad that I would like to inherit oh look I'm not suggesting that he's under any pressure I'm just saying that for them to have a great year okay make the finals but you got to make a dent no but that's what I'm, I'm getting at there it's not like there's no one there that can jump in well I'll take you back to the John Lang era and he was there for I think close to 10 years 
and he made the finals, I think, in eight of those ten years. And, and you know, there was two or three prelim finals there as well, one in which you remember. They let Lang go pretty much because they weren't sure where else he could take them. And then he won the comp two years later with Penrith. You wonder how many years a coach, for example, Shane Flanagan, has in that position. Oh, well, I've made the finals in the last six years. Well, that's pretty good. You, you can sort of not argue with that, and you can sort of argue with it. Just regarding um, Paul Gallen and uh, those other players off contract, as a fan, I think it should be Gales last year. Obviously, the decision's up to him. He's on a lot of money. He had a great year last year, one of his better years for the Sharks, but I, just, I think we're coming to that time where go out in a high and, and that money can go towards someone else, someone like Valentine Holmes, who's going to be off contract soon. I think Luke Lewis, definitely for the money he's on, should probably either move on or stay for less money. Same with Gallon. If he wants to have another year, that's cool, but maybe a little bit less money. Uh, you can make it up elsewhere, of course. You know, as a fan, they've been great servants to my club, particularly Gallon. There's an argument for best shark of all time, and, and he's one of probably a few guys in there. So I have a lot of respect for that guy as a footballer. All right, I've got one question to finish off, Sharkies. When the tickets go on sale for the grand final early on in the season... Will you be purchasing one then or waiting later? Oh, look, it's like any year. If your team is top four and you got the cash on you, even if you don't have the cash, you're thinking about it. The tickets go on sale around, let's say, round eight and you've got these feelings about your Sharks right now and they start off pretty well. Are you confident that a purchasing of a grand final ticket will be rewarded with a Sharks? Well, as a Sharks fan, no, I'm not confident. That team could go... 24 and 0 and I could have my grand final ticket and then the world would stop it would literally stop we wouldn't get to go play the grand final as a Sharks fan there is a deep long curse that is hanging around like a bad smell but each year we're trying to get rid of that smell you were deflecting very well yes or no are they making the grand final with that squad they'd want to be yes they'd want to be that's my answer on record, no. no. <laughs> I will say that I'm I'm reasonably confident of top four, barring any serious injuries. In all seriousness, for me, I think you should be. Like, I know people just don't go around in January going, "We're going to make the final," but I know as a Dragons fan, and I'm sure a lot of you out there as well think in the back of your mind that your team is a chance or a very good chance or no chance at all to make the grand final or the game before the semifinals. I'm high on the Sharky's chances this year and I think Sharks fans should be as well. Ten metres away from the line here on the western side and Widdup goes through Cooper. Cray must score. Willie, oh, what a tackle. Ben Barber. Penalty goes the Dragons. But what a tackle from Barber. They're ruling. They put him in a dangerous position. Yeah, well, tackle, one of the tackles of the season, one of the try-saving tackles of the season. Bang, little fella on big fella. You're not coming into the end goal. Back you go, and we're going to penalise that. Brooksy, what a great, fun episode of the League Life episode six, huh? It's been fun. Talked about our teams. We're obviously passionate about each of our teams. And, you know, I see some strengths and I see some weaknesses with the Dragons. And I'm sure you do the same with the Sharks. And it's great to banter off each other and, and talk about our team's chances. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Brooksy, where can people get in touch with us and where can they follow us? Well, we're now on iTunes, which is something that we should have probably talked about in the news section. 
But we're on iTunes. You just got to search The League Life. And we've got a nice green logo as we do on our social media outlets. Speaking of, Twitter, we're at League Life NRL. And on Facebook, we have a Facebook page, The League Life with Brooksy and Schnaz. Get your questions in, say hello, drop by, tell us what you think of the eps, tell us what you think of Talking Points. We're also on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash League Life NRL. All right, Brooksy, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to have a breather. We'll be back very, very soon for episode seven. Can't wait for it. Until then, I hope you have a good week, my friend. You too, Schnaz. Yes, and I guess our next podcast will be talking about the final three teams, the Roosters, the Broncos, and the Cowboys. Cock-a-doodle-doo. The three teams that are heading over to England, but we will delve into that next week. Schnaz, it's always a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine, a Brooksy. Thanks to our listeners for listening. We appreciate it. We will see you all very shortly. Jerry, see you, see you later. Mm-hmm.